0: Okay, this is super exciting for me because I get emails every single day of people that want me to interview them. And Lisa, I have to tell you that this past year, I've only chosen two people, one other person and you because of studying you and hearing your story. And I'm just so excited for everyone, all of my listeners to hear your story and to hear what you're all about. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa Marie Platsky for being on this
1: podcast interview today. Oh my goodness. That's so exciting. (laughs) I didn't even realize that. So just really humbled and honored and excited to be here with you. I love this. Yes, our, our pre-interview
0: conversation was tremendous. And you've already dropped a couple uh, incredible nuggets for sure. So I can't wait for our listeners to hear you. But I want you guys to meet Lisa Marie Platsky, my new friend. She's an award-winning certified master coach. Listen to this. She has coached over 100,000 leaders and she's coached companies such as which I was like oh my gosh it's such a difference of, of companies that you have coaches Honeywell I was most interested in Honeywell Affleck and Perry Ellis International like how cool is that that you've gotten to coach the leaders there that you are a leadership expert you're a speaker you're a best international best-selling author in five countries. Hello, written and co-authored seven books, goals, your goals for me right now, Lisa. I love this. You're the member of the Forbes Inter, uh, coaching, coaching council and a regular contributor to Forbes.com. So yeah, you're definitely hashtag goals for me for sure, Lisa. Uh, first and foremost, tell me about coaching over a hundred thousand leaders. How did that even start? Cause I, I coach a lot of people right now that not only want to be speakers, they want to be authors, but they want to be able to say, I coached over a hundred thousand leaders. Talk about your journey to get
1: to that point. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And so here's the short part. I never wanted to do coaching ever. <laughs> Like I did not want to do my backgrounds in federal law enforcement. I loved what I was doing in the government. And, and so when you ask about that, my business that I started 16 years ago, 16 and a half years ago was a leadership development company. So there was consulting and there was mentorship and there was training and there were going into seminars and, after I would speak, people would say, hey, will you coach me? And I'd go, nope, but I have somebody great who you could meet and they would love to coach you. And so I would refer them to people. And it just that it, it got the noise kept getting louder, if you will, you know, where people knock. And you and I had a, a, in our earlier conversation, it's like when something shows up twice, it's like, oh, well, maybe that's a sign that I should be doing something. So those are those little God voices that go. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, God doesn't come down and post it note and says, Lisa, do this, you know, it usually shows up in conversations multiple times. And so I kept getting people who were saying, you really should do this. And so that was the start of it was then saying, all right, this is mine to do.
0: Wow, okay, this is crazy because I said the same thing years ago. I'm like, I'm not gonna coach people ever and then all of a sudden years later after what I've been doing and then all of a sudden it shows up an assessment that I take that my number one strength is coach and I'm like, I cannot believe this. this is ridiculous and so okay, I already know what I'm gonna call this. this doesn't always happen, but I'm gonna say be a coach and the reason why I'm gonna say that is because what I am actually, up against right now with many, many business leaders. And I want to talk to you about this because you've coached a lot more business leaders than I have, but I'm noticing that they want to shy away from coaching and they just want to stay on task and do the work, but not Uh, do the hard stuff of having the tough conversation. So that's why I think every business leader needs to learn how to coach, right? Yeah, get a coach and have a coach like one of us to be a part of your team because you need someone to see those blind spots. But also, guess what? As a business entrepreneur, you need to be a coach too. What's your opinion on that, Lisa?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And so I have not just one coach, I have several coaches in different areas that help me to see what it is that I can't see on my own, even though I can go into someone else's business and easily go, oh yeah, there's this, this, and this. And the piece about coaching is that coaching is not consulting. Coaching is not saying like, here are all the things for you to do. It's allowing people to find their own voice. It's allowing others to, to be in the inquiry. It's it's giving them the questions that, that may... In the day to day business, not be ones that they're asking themselves about where it is to go, and and that's why for me, being a leadership coach and being in the conversation of leadership and saying, you know, what's your mark on? You're going to influence. You are a hundred percent right about those difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. If you're running a business, if you've got an enterprise that's yours, then to not do coaching is doing you a disservice because so much of coaching is getting to the heart of what people want, who they are, what they want, and why it matters to them. And when you do that, your organization can thrive with ease because you're not, you're not only focusing on the tactical, you're focusing on on truly what gets to the heart of, of business.
0: Ooh, okay. Yeah. I want to dive in what truly gets to the heart of business because, but you said, you said something so huge right now. You said coaching is not consulting. Let's talk about that because I think as business leaders, we, and I did this for many years, I totally messed up everything in my whole companies because of this. And I still, from time to time, I jump into this, they become tell leaders and that's a consultant, a mentor right? But when you step back and start asking the hard questions, I'm actually reading the book QBQ right now with our salon leaders, because I mainly coach salon owners. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, going back to that book for the second and third time, I'm getting something new out of it, realizing, Tina, you are talking too much, you're telling too much, you need to stop with your leaders and start asking them more powerful questions. So can we dive into that a little bit more of coaching versus consulting and as a business owner, like what the difference is and how have you honed your skill to be a better coach, Lisa, and give advice to entrepreneurs on this?
1: Uh, well, I love that uh, your vulnerability of being willing to say, you know, hey, I didn't always get it right. And, and, I, and that's the part for me where I thought, well that's one of the reasons why i started that leadership development company and and focused on the consulting because i thought people want answers and i've got answers <laughs> and so i'm going to i'm going to come in and i'm going to and that's the part that i wanted and the coaching for me seemed very touchy feely and then it was like one on one versus being on stage and speaking to 2000 5000 people you're 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 doing this one-on-one individual work. And I thought, ah, you know, and what i realize is that it's because for me my mindset even in my own business is well i'll just hire a consultant and somebody will come in and and, and fix everything. Yep. And the reality is that's like taking yourself out of the equation and you can't do that. You can't do that for marketing, for sales, for any piece of the business. If you own a business, your business requires you. Now it doesn't require you to be there 24/7 and it doesn't require you to give pieces of your soul. It does require you to be so invested that you've cultivated this depth of leadership within each person, no matter whether they're the person who's answering a phone, whether they're emptying a garbage can, you know, in your case, washing someone's hair and physically touching their body, like it requires leadership. And that that level of leadership is, is not something that can come from what I would consider you know, consulting, which is advice giving, like there is a, a certain depth of it. So that difference between coaching and consulting is something that I myself in my business didn't get early on because I thought, well, for the things that I don't really do well, I'll just hire somebody to tell me what to do. Well, no, it still has to be my culture, my values, my mission, my vision, where I'm going. That's part of that. And so the coaching skill set came in when, like I say, I got multiple knocks on the door. And then I went, all right, so I will begin coaching. And so I coached in organizations and got results. And then after I did that for several years, I went, well, Lisa, you know, you you've done this. However, there are schools on this. So don't you think you should hone your skill set? which is what you, you tell people, be strong in your industry and then also outside your industry, get outside information. So I went back to school and I got a coaching certification. And then I went on further to get a master coaching certification to learn about how you ask questions and asking good questions and the ability to listen differently and the ability to to not. It's one of the things I see is such a problem in today's leadership is that People are convinced there's only one solution. And so they they stick so, you know, they stick to their idea, their philosophy, like this is the way it should be done. And coaching gives you the opportunity to be in the exploration of multiple solutions, multiple possibilities. And so that's something for myself that when I look back at the, the mistakes that I made, it was like thinking, well, this is the way we have to do it. We've got to go this way. This is what successful people do. And it's like, well, there's lots of different Different ways, and and it was one of our early in our earlier conversation. One of the things we were talking about is, you know, well, you know, it could be different reasons why people spend time doing a particular activity like social media that has to do with their effectiveness or their lack of, and and you don't know what until you actually go in and ask more questions.
0: Wow. Okay, I love where you're going with this, Lisa, this is huge. And I think this is something that we all need as business owners, right? Parents, right? As a parent, as a grandma, I'm a grandma now, you know, as a community. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. And it's crazy because could you imagine if If you could parent that way, instead of just constantly giving advice, you know, I love, I loved my dad, right? He just loved to give me advice, right? But, but when he would step back and start asking me questions, uh, then it got even stronger and was bigger when he started to ask these powerful questions. So I want to be that type of parent and that grandparent, like I want to shift the way that I do things. And so I love it that you took these courses, you have a master's degree Give advice to, to business owners right now, what is the best way for them to get that coaching uh, expertise, if you will, so they can get really good at this, even parents right now, you know, how can you be a better parent to be a better coach instead of a consultant to your children, if you will?
1: Yeah. And I, what, for me, this was, um, I'll share that when I was in law enforcement, there was, a point, an intersection in my career where I was, the guys didn't want to work with me. You know, like it was just such a, it was such a dark time, I guess is the best way. And I was so used to being rewarded, you know, being the A plus student in the academy, being a really great shot, being someone who, you know, had all their ducks in a row and in school, you know, got the, got the, the top performance. And so here I am in this, in this job going these people don't like me. And like, I'm like, I'm failing at this. And, and of course it's not failing. It's, you know, what can you learn? What can you develop? And I can, I can look back at that. But I, I, I signed up for a leadership program and this leadership program was me taking a series of assessments. And in one of the assessments that was an interpersonal skills assessment, the results came back and the instructor stood over top of me as we were sitting in chairs and announced to the class, that on this, that I was a zero. And she didn't stop there. She continued on and she said, so if Lisa invites you to do something and you show up, doesn't really want you to be there. And if you invite her to do something and she shows up, she's secretly wishing she was someplace else. And all I can say, Tina, is it was such an ouch moment. Like it was such a, like even sharing it, 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 it doesn't make me feel good. It was such a, um, how could this be like, this isn't really who I am. This isn't the person that when I'm with me, that I see. So why is it that this is the perception that others have? And, and so I recognized that the barriers that I built to keep me safe had kept me away from having this meaningful and happy life. And I had a conversation with myself that went something like this, Lisa, you might be smart and tough. You might be strong and right. And if you continue this way and don't learn how to connect, don't learn how to position yourself, how to build relationships, you're going to be alone and dead. And I share that because that was the key to opening the door to coaching in the sense that what I did was I got curious. I got curious with what was important to other people. I got curious and started asking questions with the guys that I worked with. I started sharing parts of myself that had been hidden, like my faith journey, like my connection to God. And they started sharing in return. And because of that curiosity, instead of showing up as the person who had all the answers, I expanded my vocabulary. I learned three new words, I don't know. Um, And that allowed that level of curiosity saying, how would you do it? Or this is what I see and this is what I would do. What would you do versus going, this is the only way. And so as bringing out those same leadership skills into my current organization, and the business that I started, it was listening to people. And even if you've done it a million times and it's worked out well for you, are you still willing to see that there might be a better way? And that takes being curious. And so whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're the CEO of a company, whether you're somebody who's just starting out, the ability to be curious and ask questions And the ability to share elements with vulnerability, truly disclosing is is not something that's a tactic. It's not even a, um, it's not a marketing, something to market yourself. It's a way of being. You have to get to that place where you go, well, I had to get to the part where where I went, okay, so I could be really smart the reality is I'm not connecting like this. These guys don't like me. And so what do I do? And it's not about me telling them how great I am. It's not about me telling them how smart I am. It's me about getting curious and learning what they value, what matters most to them. And so, you know, I I think. When we when we are business owners and we're smart and we're driven and we're accomplished and we're hardworking to pause and go. Other people might have really good ideas too is something that when moving quickly, most people don't stop long enough to be in the invitation of others. Wow. Okay. I think we're twins.
0: I'm pretty sure. I'll never forget the day that when I was, I had my first uh, cosmetology school And I had my team and some students pulled me in this room and just told me off. Yeah, they were just like telling me everything that I did wrong. And I left mad. I left so mad. I was not coachable. And so no wonder it took me so many years later to become a great coach, right? And because in order to be a coach, you've got to be coachable and you've got to own people's perceptions of you and you've got to be a feedback champ, whether it's your husband, whether it's, you know, what your spouse, right? Your children. I've always said that success is what my children say about me and I've got to listen to what they say and and what their perceptions are of me and to do that. Now it's my grandchildren, right? So So let's talk about that because I think one of the biggest challenges that I'm seeing right now, Lisa, and let me know if you're seeing this too, is that lack of of employees and hard to hire people. And then I hear from these leaders that there's no one out there, there's no one good, um, you know, and people are like leaving these companies left and right, you know, there's high turnover, but they're not owning their perception, they're just saying, you know, people are bad. (laughs) Right. So they're not owning the perception, because I've always said people don't quit companies, people quit leaders. And so we need to own that perception. So let's step back. And I love your three words. You said, I don't know. My three words has been, it's my fault. So when someone leaves, it's my fault. If someone gets fired, It's my fault, right? So what could I have done differently? What should I have done differently? What can I, what's never again moments that I have? How can I own the perception of this? I love doing exit interviews because I love to hear like the truth finally, you know? So talk about that. How did you get to the point of truly owning that perception? Because I think a lot of it for me came from my own trauma and my own past of not accepting that, not accepting myself, not thinking I'm enough, not loving myself. So therefore I couldn't love other people. Right. So it's all these little things that I had to get through and, and to discover in myself to become my best self, if you will. So how about you? And what advice do you want to
1: give to business owners on all of that? (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, and that's just so much like you just, like, you just put it all out there and I, I'm, I'm, the the part that I'm shifting for myself in my three words is I am responsible. And so I appreciate you saying, you know, that, know, that part, like I am responsible. And so for me, it starts with core values. Like I'm clear that the mission in my organization is to transform lives through leadership. That's what we do. And our vision is to be a force for good on the planet. Our vision is to make everyone feel valued and appreciated and loved around us. And our my vision, my personal vision, is to create a world where everybody wins. So I'm looking at, is this activity doing that? My values in the organization are excellence, accountability, and responsibility. So I'm responsible. So you're right. No matter what goes on, somebody leaves, if something happens, if somebody doesn't come, if somebody doesn't want to work with me, if somebody it's, it's me like excellence, accountability, and responsibility. And so understanding whatever your, your values are and whether or not those values are something that other people can get behind so that they're actually magnetic and they're, they're drawn to you or whether or not you're repelling people and in how you, you live that out. And, and so I'm hearing similar things to, to what you're hearing, uh, about, shortages, perceived shortages. And yet at the same time, I am speaking to business owners that are having banner years and having finding talent that there have allowed them to expand in ways they didn't expect. And within my own team, challenging them to help me create systems that allow us to be more operationally effective so that we can take more work on and bring in the right clients, customers, and partners and have them have an excellent experience. And so it's also not just me up here, you know, I am one of. I am a part of the cause. You know, the 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 interconnectedness of the organizational entity. It's not a hierarchy for me, and and that too allows me to be in the inquiry of my team. Going, what do you think about this system? What if we change that? What if we you know tomorrow. Um, you know the the conversations are different than the conversations yesterday, right? Because because I'm different and because they're different. So it's not that they're the they're, it's 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 continually asking. I have a conference uh, an upside summit. It's a three day leadership conference. This twenty twenty two will be my fifteenth year doing it. And what's so interesting about this event from for me is that I don't. I don't have the expectation that even when people, even when the curriculum is the same, that it's the same experience because I'm a different person and every person who comes is a different person. So the energy of that changes. And when we go, oh, well, I already know that that's how Susie works or that's how Fred functions. Well, we don't allow people to have the same evolution that we've had. I mean, thank heavens I'm not the same person that I was last week or last year or 10 years ago. And um, so as you're talking about this and attracting talent, it's how attractive are you to be for talent to be attracted to you? And, right. and why the leadership journey, why my conversations on leadership have changed in organizations to so talking about the tactical elements, which I can do really well, you know how to write a book, how to write a proposal, how to you know how to do these things to the beingness of leadership. Who are you being? Are, are you really aware? And that's that those three questions: Who are you? What do you want? Why does it matter? You shared that story about being confronted in the room. I used to ask three questions at, from at employees when I was in the government during their um, during their evaluations, and I'd say, um, "What are we?" What have we done well? Um, Where am I in need of improvement from your lens? And what could we do together to make things better? And what's so interesting about that is giving people permission to share what they saw with me I realized that I would be so focused on coming in and going, here's your assignment. Here's your assignment. Do this, do this, because I'm really good at getting work done. I'm a workforce. I'm task oriented, like get it done. And for some of my employees that needed me to say, how are you? How was your weekend? You know, to me, that's like, well, that's a waste of time. That's not operationally effective. <laughs> you know, oh that's just chatter. And yet, you need that. And you need to understand that different people in order for them to perform at the top level, they're to give their best. They need that. That's their food. That's their fuel. And so, you know, I love that the greatest thing about mistakes and learning is that if we, if we really take them to heart, we can, uh, we can do better when we know better. So, um, That's my, you know, my feeling on sort of this talent, this, this race for talent is that there's a lot out there. That's my mindset. That's my belief. And the better I become, the more attractive I become to talent.
0: So good. And, and my business partner, Wynn Clayball, they just had their uh, summit for the owners. And that's exactly what he talked about, how to you need to be attractive. Right. And so what can we do? What can we set in place so that there's a lineup at the door? And I always joke about this only because in Florida and one of our businesses in Florida, we've got a Chick-fil-A and a Starbucks. And they always seem to be full of people working for them. <laughs> And then I'm like, why, why don't we have that waiting list? So we have a ways to go and our companies, right? And so the people that I'm coaching, we have a ways to go. So how can we become more attractive? And and this is so huge. And I want to talk about this because you're talking about this leadership conference that by the way, people need to go to this. So we'll make sure we get your information on this. Thank you. Go to your leadership event. And And, you know, the whole thing is, too, that I see is a lot of leaders, they keep running away from me, from putting together like one-on-ones, communication, time with their team, not just talking about their numbers. Let's talk about them as people. Let's put leadership retreats together. They keep running from me on this because they're so busy, (laughs) right? I'm too busy. I don't have time for this. Talk to that leader right now that's like, oops, gulp, I am too busy. Actually, they're probably not listening to this because they're too busy. They don't listen to podcasts, (laughs) So let's hope that they do. So send this to somebody that needs to hear, send it to your boss, right? That needs to hear this because talk about the kind of ideas that you give salon or, excuse me, business owners. I, I, of course, I talk to salon owners, so ideas. Any business owner, because leadership is leadership, right? Business is business. And ideas that you give them of what they could eventually set up, like long-term vision. I know it's baby steps, but for us, we've got one-on-ones. We've got quarterly evaluations. We've got check-in times. We call always seven-minute target meetings, leadership retreats, all kinds of things that are set in place. But it's taken years for us to get there, right? Um, yeah. them ideas that you would give them as a coach.
1: Well, I, I really appreciate how you spoke about the time first. I mean, that's, you know, everyone says that time's the issue. I don't have enough time. <laughs> every single person gets the same 24 hours a day, like every single one. And so, you know, what differentiates those top performers? What do they do in their 24 hours that's different than those who seem to always be scrambling? And that's why I say, like, time is never the issue. It's it's vision. It's it's mm. clarity there's the, a the secret hidden superpower between envision and, and and that's clarity. So it's, it's, not, it's not time. Most people will say, well, I have to do all of these things. My vision is so crystal clear. And so when I'm doing something, when I'm here with you and we're talking, I'm going, I'm asking myself a question before we're in this conversation to say, does this allow me to be a force for good on the planet? Does this allow me to be able to to transform lives for leadership. Does it it allow me to do whatever it is I'm called to do? And that part of the vision to ensure that every single thing in your calendar, I look at my calendar. And when things are in my calendar that are there, that perhaps somebody else put there, or even I put there, I'm checking in on the day before and the morning of to go do these things belong here. And I will shift and move appointments around and go, this doesn't belong here now because there's something else. And it's not, it's not something else because there's a fire to put out or there's urgency. It's because you're, you've got this precious commodity that is time. And the only way that that time gets to, to be elevated so you're doing your highest and best work on the planet in your salon, in your business, is if you are ensuring that every single moment matters. And so there's a technique that I use called the SNAP technique, S-N-A-P. And I use it all throughout the day it's something that's, that's, that's just a natural part. And like you said, baby steps. And so so it's become so much a part where it used to be something I had to set a timer for. And so if it's, if it's new to you, it's something you might have to set a timer for. For me, it's just so innately because I've been doing it for so long. And it's stop, notice, like I notice my energy. I stop, okay, put everything down. It's sort of like, you know, in school when they used to say like, Test over, put your pens down. So it's like, put my pen down, put everything down. Okay, stop. And so I stop what I'm doing. And then I just notice and I go, all right, what's going on right now with my energy? Am I thirsty? Am I, am I, um, do I need to walk? Do I, what needs to happen? Like, am I fully present on whatever work it is that I'm doing in this moment? I just notice it's, it's quick. Like, this is not like a, you know, hour long exercise. This is a, you know, a, a truly five second what's going on with me right now. I am assessing and asking questions at that time. Stop, notice, you know, ask questions, assess, like I'm in the assessment of what do I need? And I have seven areas of well-being that I work with on clients, physical, emotional, uh, mental, or intellectual, spiritual, financial, relational, and in work. And so it's like any of those really quickly, is there anything that's going on in any of those? Oh gosh, you know what? What's niggling in the back of my mind is that I really needed to, to have this conversation with my husband. Let me just put that down and just go, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do it right now. However, I'm aware of it. Got it. And so get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. Then the P, the P is three things. The three is for me to pause, for me to pray, and for me to pivot if needed. So it's like, all right, so I'm, 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 I'm stopping, but I'm also pausing after I got the answers to those really quickly and going, okay. So it's water. That's what I need. Or it's the this that I need. And I'm, I'm taking the time to digest that. And then sometimes I got to pray about it. Like sometimes what I realize is I've gotten news and the news was so devastating because I just found out that a friend of mine is sick. And what do I do with that in the midst of all of my work swirls? And so I go, all right, so I notice that this is taking up space and I want to give it attention. And so I'm just going to pause and I'm just going to say, you know, can you, can you offer up a prayer and can you take this from me? Sometimes if it's angst and I'm feeling stressed out because I've so much to do, my my prayer is to ask the Holy Spirit, please help me bend time. Somehow let me have get this done because I understand that with the amount of time that I have, this project, I'm not going to make this deadline. So find a way to help me do that. And do you know, I always, always, always bend time. It's the most fascinating thing. And then pivot, which is sometimes it's like, I'm not supposed to be doing that right now. I'm supposed to be doing something else. I'm supposed to stop and pick up the phone. I'm supposed to do, call the bank. I'm supposed to do something else. And so what this does is it allows time to become a partner. It allows time to be a friend. It allows time to be something that that allows you to do your highest and best good on the planet your work that you're called to do versus being something that you're always in conflict, that you're constantly going, like blaming it on time. It's not time. It's your vision of what you want. When I stopped thinking I could be superwoman and get laundry done and all my appointments and everything I could be to my husband and my friends and my family and at the same time my clients and I went, no, like that's not possible. This me being in 10 places at once I'm going to fully be here with you Tina I'm going to fully be here with your audience I'm going to fully be here and when I'm doing my next project or my next phone call I'm going to be fully present and a lot of times people why it takes so much energy and why it feels like they're doing so much is because they're never ever present all day long wow so the snap technique works for me
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Snap. So you don't snap, you know, <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So my, this is huge. I love acronyms. We are twins all the way. I, I just, I love you already. This is amazing. And I love that you said, because I believe now that you're kind of coaching me through this and because I'm, what I'm hearing is the reason why you don't want to do all that soft stuff is because you're too busy trying to be Superman or Superwoman, right? And so you don't have the time because really deep down inside, you think that you're Superwoman. And so yeah. let's dig a little deeper in there because been there, done that. I fall into that sometimes, right? And all of a sudden I feel like this anxiety, I feel like. Um, I just heard one of my leaders say she felt she was drowning and she needed a life preserver to overwhelm. I hear those words. I feel overwhelmed, but it's really something deeper than that. Right. So let's let's talk about that. Like, what's your advice there as you continue to coach your leaders?
1: Well, you're, you're so right that those are the terms that people use. And when you think about that, like that's a real scary place to be. Like, why, why would you want to do? I can't imagine if I actually thought that I was being asked to do more versus do things differently when you're already feeling overwhelmed, like that's a terrible feeling. So the, the piece about leadership and great leadership is that if you're a great leader, you're looking at how you do less, not more. You're looking right. at, you know, that's the, the, the gift of leadership. And so when you ask about, you know, more about like, well, if you're feeling that, then what do you do? Just like, just like vision, there's a, a hidden package or this, you know, the, the, the superpower within it is clarity. Vulnerability is equally important to leadership and to this journey to get out of overwhelm because vulnerability requires forgiveness. And forgiveness is forgiveness of self as okay. well as forgiveness of others. There's something that Andrea Young said years ago and uh, she was a former CEO of Avon and she also was, uh, she's in a uh, works programming bank. And she said, every day I'm, when I wake up, I'm clear that somebody will be disappointed. And when I heard her say this at a salon, I went, yes, like some days you're going to disappoint the people you work with because you're not going to be able to be there at whatever it is that they want, at whatever meeting you want. And some days you're going to disappoint your, your family because there's a work commitment. And when I really got that balance is not about balancing all things at all times, It's about choosing the highest priority so that you live out whatever your God-given mission is on the planet, and you allow other people to fully live out theirs just by your being. So by choosing leadership, there is no overwhelm. There is no, there's just simply focused intention that this is the choice now. And you understand that every time you say yes to something, you simultaneously say no to something else. When I say yes to being here, the reality is, I say no to my family, my coworkers. I say, because I'm here with you. You say no to your family, to your grandkids. You say no to your the inner operations of your business because we're here and you're doing something for others by being in this leadership conversation. And so each person has that choice. And every yes is a no to something else. Most people, however, focus so much on what they think that they're going to lose. Like if I have that meeting with that employee i'm going to lose time rather than looking at what they're going to gain which is perhaps a more fulfilled employee who gives you 50% more because we you and i have both read the research that says that most employees don't give us 100% most employees you know give us less than 50 so what happens if you could turn that dial up by making that small investment so for me it's like gosh you know that that changes things completely to focus on what I'm going to gain versus what I'm going to lose.
0: Why is it like, let's go back to that. I mean, I kind of talked a little bit like why it was important to me because of, you know, really learning about each other more. And because we spent so much time with each other, it was incredible that what we experienced. And so talk to that leader that says, ah, I, I still am not buying into this investing time in the fluff stuff. Like, how are you really doing, you know, professionally, personally, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually? Like you can't leave your soul, soul at home. You cannot allow your team to leave their soul at home. Like you've got to address these things, these hard issues. You have to have the hard conversations because then you're going to get their heart. When you get their heart, you get their hand and they're going to give you a lot more than that 50%. Right. Yeah. So talk a little yeah. bit more about that, because I'm sure you've dealt with leaders that are like, Ah, oh, Lisa, I'm not really buying into this fluff stuff. I'm not I'm not going there.
1: Yes. And this is a vision piece that you speak about the vision of what it is that you really want. You 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 said it and it's. People get behind where your heart lies, not your knowledge. So you could have this incredibly masterful business plan, business model, and people don't leave organizations. They leave leaders. Research shows it time and time again. When people don't feel valued, cared, appreciated, respected, loved at work, they will leave. It's Mm -hmm. not about throwing more money at them. They will leave. It's not about giving them a sign-in bonus or a bonus to stay. They will leave because the uh, the human you know what i want as a human being is health happiness success and meaning and that meaning component is something that is so different than throwing money at somebody so when 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 someone comes to me and says hey like you know i don't want to do the touchy feely things and i've had this and i've had this happen where it's sort of like can't they just come to work and be motivated on their own can't they just yeah. figure it out you know can't they just and and you know, what I, what I speak about is that transactional business isn't good for anybody, like ever. Transactions, just transactions, if you're in an organization that involves people, it's not good. And so at some point, there, you, you come to a point in, in your growth trajectory, you know, where you just, there's a ceiling. And that ceiling is because you need the fuel of the emotion and the and the connection. And so, for the people who go, well, that's really nice, and that's um, and that's fluff. I give them the science. And so, there's always an art and a science to it. And so, the science of it is: if you look at research that's done from the Journal of the Academy of Sciences, there was in 2014 some. Um, research from Ari Hassan and I, I don't I don't remember the other person, so please forgive me. I'll have to look it up and, and send it to you. What they did research was on what happens when a connection happens between two people. And what they found is that when people are in story and they're sharing and they're in this exchange, their brain, brain wavelengths literally operate, they, they become identical. So they operate Wow. and on the same wavelength like they become when they when they hook them both up with monitors, they become the same. And why that's important is because what's important to me becomes important to you and what's important to you becomes important to me. And when I'm invested in something, my likelihood of me giving you the best and the output is certainly greater than if I have no connection whatsoever to what values to, to what what matters to you. So if you're speaking about this is our mission, These are our values. This is the vision of the organization. And you're saying that over and over again to people in every one-on-one meeting, every time you meet with them as a group, as a a team, and you're speaking about that. And then you give them the opportunity to meet with you one-on-one, however you want to set it up. And if it's over phone or if it's 15 minutes or if it's whatever, and you literally become one, what's important to you is important to them. And so if you're looking for your profits to grow by... X amount, eighteen percent for the year, or thirty-six percent, or whatever it is that you've got, it becomes important to them because they're so bonded to you. And there's more research on it. So for someone who says to me, "Well, you know, that's really nice, people," well, there's it's, there's a science behind it as well. And so you can't teach someone how to care about people. Like that's not they either do or they don't. If you're really looking at this from a holistic model for business. Then you sit down because there's evidence that shows that you will become more profitable, you will have more time, you will have find extra hours in your day. Uh, I, I remember years ago, this is probably about eight years ago, one of my coaching clients gave me a testimonial and said, you know, I found 21 extra hours in my work week. and when I started to meet with my employees, I said, you found 21 extra hours. in your work week. And she said, yes, because other people started to do things that were on my plate because they were so invested in where we were going.
0: Wow. Oh, my Lisa, I got to have you every week. <laughs> <laughs> you are because I never knew there was science behind it. I just knew in my head like this works, you know, and so our brain. Right is always been, our vision Has always been people before profit. But I can tell you, there was a time in my life, it was profit before people. And many of our leaders that we lead still stay in that profit mode. And I'm trying to get them to get over to the people mode. If you don't love people, you cannot lead people. And so I think when people can't love people, it's because they don't love themselves. And so it just, it's a heart issue right? And so talk a little bit about that. Then I want to talk about your books and how people can get enrolled with some of the things that you're doing.
1: Yeah. You know, you, you just said it, you know, it's, it starts with themselves, right? And that's why the beingness of leadership for me is so important because there were times in my business where I can look back and go, yeah, you, you girl, you didn't love yourself at all. You didn't even like yourself. And so how could other people be excited about your vision for your business. How can other people be out there excited about being part of your team when you yourself are are self loathing parts of your of, of your um, just the, the who you are, or not feeling it's enough. And that's why I said, you know, the vulnerability superpower is forgiveness and forgiveness is such a big piece. We spend time with it on my, at my annual conference. I spend time with it in my coaching sessions. Forgiveness is that, is the only thing that changes your past, your present, and your future. The only thing that has the ability to change it all. And you can't, you, it's not possible to, to really love who you are, truly love who you are, if you if you aren't willing to let go of and forgive yourself for every single misgiving, anything you've ever done. And, you know, there've been times in my life where I'm not so proud of the person who made decisions. I'm not so, I'm not so proud of the time that I lost my temper or the time that I threw someone under the bus. I'm not proud of those times. I have gone back and, and made it right or had conversations with people to say, I'm sorry, I know this was 20 years ago and here's what I'm doing. I have, you know, journaled about it. I have for myself done my own work. And that's why the beingness of leadership for me is just so important because that that deep, that ability to to have deep love for oneself translates into deep love for others. shows up in beautiful and magical ways.
0: Yeah. The power of forgiveness. And that's scientifically proven. I remember my son doing a paper on that, you know, from a book that he had to do for school. And I was like, Whoa, I didn't even know this was scientifically (laughs) proven. So I I love every minute of it. Talk about your books, uh, what they're all about and how people can get them. And then also how people can sign up for some of your programs.
1: Well, my books are on my website and uh, the there are several. Um, One of the ones I love was a collaboration that I did turn possibilities into realities and it's on Amazon. It's the reason why I love it is because it's stories about people who move from what if what if what if I did this to what is, you know, and and turning it into a a reality and my website is Upside Thinking, U-P-S-I-D-E, and then the word thinking, dot com. On there, there's also a leadership blueprint. It's an influential leadership blueprint, and it's a simple blueprint that you actually can fill out and do exercises. It has case studies on it, and I'd love for that to be a, a gift to anybody who would find value from it, because it speaks about this element of, of courage, and, and how do you how do you generate it for yourself? So please do you know, grab that for yourself.
0: Incredible. Upsidethinking.com. Oh my gosh, Lisa. So what is one thing that you've been wanting to tell leaders, especially over this past year and a half that we've been enduring in our entire country? And so what's one thing you want to make sure that leaders know right now as they close out this podcast? And thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this. It was amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I say about you. I, you know, Tina, I there's a saying I use all the time, and it's the world needs you and your brilliance. And it's not a marketing slogo slogan, it's a it's not a logo. Look at that. I put those two together. Slogo, that's interesting. I like that. <laughs> so, so sexy. We're creating language here, you and me. Um, I, you know, the world needs you and your brilliance now more than ever is that. You've got something to do on the planet. I've got something to do on the planet. Every single person listening has got something to do on the planet. And when we fully live out our vision, when we fully step into our calling, our mission, our purpose, we we make the world better. We make the world better. And when we don't, there's people who actually need us that miss out. And so the reason to be on that courageous leadership journey, to be a reason why you are willing to, to do the deep dive work into learning more about yourself, loving yourself, being more yourself, even when the world tells you that you should be something else is because there's people that need you and they need your brilliance. And, and so you know that, that's the message is to go shine your light and have it be bright and, and bold and um, understand that you're, you're created for this time for a reason.
0: Thanks for listening, and don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.